Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 103 of The Yacking Show. That's right, folks, we're on our way to our second century. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we live in. Quick request, if you like our show, please subscribe to the channel you're watching or, or listening on. It helps us get our guests more exposure, and exposure is good for them. So, as always, we have interesting guests for you. Today is no exception. Another international guest, but I'm not going to steal Kathleen's thunder. So, first, let me welcome my co-host, Kathleen from Waterloo. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. I'm doing great. And uh, thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments. So, please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today, and she's coming all the way from Australia. So, Haley Colborn, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. I really appreciate the um, invitation to speak with you both today. Well, the pleasure is ours. Now, Haley, you are the co-founder and COO of Growth Gurus, which is a lead conversion marketing agency. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about your background and how you came to start Growth Gurus? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. I'll try and give you the, the condensed version um, as much as possible. So uh, a little bit about me. I grew up in Sydney, Australia, which is uh, something most people know or have heard of Sydney. Um, and I met my now husband in Canberra, um, which is our, our capital city here. And in our mid to late 20s, we moved to Melbourne, Victoria, which is an, another one of the major cities. And we lived there for well over a decade, um, you know, quite, quite a long time. Um, and we had our, our three beautiful children um, in Melbourne. And uh, my professional background is actually in retail operations. So I had a career of... 20 or so years, 20 or so great years, um, you know, working with some of Australia's most well-known um, retail brands. And yeah, I spent many, many years, um, you know, working and training different teams um, across the country, largely in how to connect with customers, um, how to sell products, how to, how to run a retail business and, and how to connect um, with, with the customer. So I always loved the introduction of online shopping. That was, I'm of an age where I remember where that started to, you know, really, really get some, some traction. And I, I loved that. And I was always attracted to the world of e-commerce, you know, for, to be able to sort of take what I did and what I loved in a bricks and mortar setting and move that into an online digital space was always something um, that I thought was really cool, um, you know, and I really thought that was the way of the future. So, um, yeah, so that was sort of what I did for, for the majority of my, my career. Um, and my husband, Matt, he came from the world of advertising. So he um, agency side predominantly uh, and for the most part, but he's always been in business for himself in some capacity. Capacity. He started his first business when he was still in high school, um, you know, running a swim school out of his parents' home. So very, very much had the, the entrepreneur spirit, um, which I always probably really admired. Um, yeah, and in 2010, 
um, not long after our first son was born. So I don't know if that was great timing or not, but <laughs> we decided <laughs> we decided to start our very first agency in Melbourne. Um, and over the years, that grew to be quite a large business. Um, we went through a series of um, different acquisitions and mergers as the business grew and we brought new partners into the mix. Um, and yeah, we had we had a lot of learnings during that time and we reached a stage where, um, you know, when we were able to exit out of that business, we just felt like we needed a new adventure. Um, we, we needed a bit of a change in direction. And I think that's quite an interesting part when you get to a point in your life where you, you sort of start to reassess the direction that, that you're going in. Um, and I remember very clearly walking around the backyard of our home in Melbourne with Matt, you know, brainstorming and, and thinking about what's next. You know, and I look back now and it was actually really sort of developing the mental roadmap um, for what is, you know, what went on to be the growth gurus. So, yeah, so we we did what I think a lot of people sort of dream of doing and we, we decided on a sea change and we sold off all of our house and our possessions and we packed up our kids and our, our family and we, we moved and we moved to... A place called Port Stephens, which is on the mid-north coast. It's about three hours from the major city of Sydney. And it's a semi-rural area. It's a peninsula. So we're surrounded by beautiful coastline um, and, you know, a, a beautiful, beautiful spot to, to raise our family. And after we arrived in our new hometown, um, you know, we already had sort of planted the seeds for the growth gurus and we really got to work. Um, you know, we, we had this beautiful town and this picturesque scenery um, and it sort of cleared out all of the, the you know, the stuff that we had going on um, from the move. And we, yeah, we focused on the growth gurus and we started to, to strategize and um, do a lot of research um, and really identify that there was a gap in the market. We felt there was a gap in the market at that point and it was an opportunity for us so yeah we um we put in some long hours um you know and started to you know put the building blocks in place for for the business and and got started and yeah here we are today wow very good eh? excellent so one thing i picked up from looking at your website and uh, talking to someone who the person who suggested we get you on the show and i i'm really glad they did that is you appear to be a lot more focused than most digital marketing agencies um i think you've explained a little bit in your story now how you came to be specialized tell us a little bit more why you specialize exactly where you are now with um, <coughs> custom acquisition and conversion marketing yeah um, that's a great question. So we we were very sort of clear from the get-go what, what we wanted to, to focus on. And it was always our goal um, to be highly specialised. We we came from a full-service environment. Um, mm -hmm. we, we didn't want to recreate that. Um, we never aimed to be full-service or, you know, a 360-degree agency. Um, you know, we had a roadmap right from conception. And we okay. wanted to partner with the best technology platforms, um, and focus specifically on working with direct-to-consumer lifestyle brands that were small to medium in size. That's where we felt there was an opportunity. Um, you know, when we did our research, we, we really, you know, identified that, you know, there's no other digital marketing tactics that have yet to outperform the online sales of email. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. affordable. 
for most and it's effective and you know it's highly personalized and that was something that was really interesting so we focused on partnering with the technology platforms um, you know that that we needed to to be able to achieve that that goal um, yeah and then we went about resourcing a team of people that could you know drive performance um, in that space but yeah it was always our goal and it was always um, the vision for this business that we would be gurus hence our hence our name um, you know gurus in that space and and not mm-hmm. try to be good things to all people um, but be really good at the things that that we had chosen to focus on very good there's a huge lesson in what you just said there great over to Kathleen so Haley, you work with a team that is located literally all over the world and everybody works remotely. What are some of the challenges to that and what are some of the benefits and how do you, how do you manage a team that's located globally? Yes, yeah. Oh, look, it was, um, I might sort of talk about the why first, if that's mm-hmm. okay. Sure. We'll talk about how, I man- how we manage it. Um, there was a number of reasons why why we considered a, a remote team and why that model was attractive. Firstly, you know, we moved to, as I mentioned before, a remote area. So that was a consideration for us, meaning that, you know, we, we didn't have access to a city where we could have, a, you know, a traditional business. So that was a consideration initially. Um, we loved the idea of building a, a team and a, a business where people could have some flexibility and remote work offers that, mm-hmm. um, especially being a mum of three children. I, I found as I, I had those children and I was working in more traditional roles that the rigidity of those roles became quite hard to juggle. Um, and, you know, especially as our family grew. So I suppose from a personal perspective, that that was a goal um, that we wanted to try and have a more flexible working environment so we could have a broader range of skill set in our business. Um, and we initially, from a, a sales perspective, focused um, our sales efforts on the North American market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still do to this day. So we have about a 60-40 split uh, between US brands and Australian brands working with us. And we knew to be able to service those brands, you know, just from a time zone, um, you know, just mm-hmm. considering time zones that we needed a global team, um, you know, so that, that we, we could, you know, deliver the best experience for those brands. Um, you know, so that, they were kind of some of the reasons why initially um, I thought it was a great idea and it was really attractive and I was, I was right in for it. Um, how we manage it. Well, we've, we've really created a, a business here that it has a workspace environment that facilitates remote work and collaboration. Uh, we use things like Asana for project mm-hmm. management. We use Slack. Um, we have all of our, our clients and our team um, in individual Slack channels. We use things like Google Drive, so easy to share collaborative documents, um, and obviously Zoom. I don't know what we did without <laughs> Zoom. No. It's such a place in today's world. Um, yeah, and one of the other things that, that we um, take advantage of is we have mandatory online hours um, that all of our team agrees to. So that means that we have consistency uh, mm-hmm. in our working roster. And as we've grown over the last couple of years, most of our team are now engaged full-time with us and they, they work, um, you know, the majority of their week in our business. So, you know, they're able to focus on, on their roles here. Um, if I'm being very balanced and transparent, though, 
um, at the start, it was very challenging. Um, you know, there were challenges that I hadn't actually even thought about. You know, remote work, it tends to attract a lot of freelancers and, you know, digital nomads when people could travel <laughs> um, easily. Uh, you know, people ne not necessarily looking for a permanent engagement. Um, you know, so we, we turned over more team members in, in the first mm -hmm. couple of years than ideal um, you know while we were sort of trying to fine-tune you know our recruitment uh, process and you know asking the right questions and and getting the right engagement uh, from from those people but over that time you know we have found some of our our, our key you know team members who I'm so grateful for every day you know we've got people here that have been with us for over two years now um, you know so we've got some consistency in the faces and the names that you see at the growth gurus um, which I think is really important to our clients and our portfolio of clients so I, I think you know if you asked me you know six months in is the remote model you know, the one that you thought it would be, I probably would have said no. Um, but I, you know, I consistently went back to the why, the why of why we did it initially. And I really, truly believed um, along with, with Matt that it was the right model for us. And we just sort of kept consistently, consistently, you know, going after the right team. And, you know, we got to where we are today. And I, I do think it is the right model for us um, and also for our, our clients and the brands we work with. Right. Excellent. I just um, I just want to hop in. I have another sure. question, uh, Peter. You you touched on this. Uh, you said that your client base is uh, sixty percent North America, forty percent Australian. Is there is there a reason that you've d targeted the North American market more yeah, than I think the Australian? Yeah, I think initially we just felt like there was more opportunity in that space. It was obviously a much bigger, um, a much bigger market for us. And, and, you know, the research that we did just identified that, um, you know, there was a lack of, um, you know, agencies or, or, or digital agencies doing what, what we were saying that we could do. And we are a, a partner agency. Now we are a platinum partner agency with Clavio. Um, and we just felt that there was a real opportunity um, in that space. So, that's kind of what our research uncovered um, and it, it proved to be correct um, you know we we still do have uh, a lot of amazing clients um, you know in that in that space so yeah that's why Excellent. Mm, okay so I'm going to ask you how the coronavirus restrictions have affected your business but before I do I'm going to suggest that what's happened over the last year because of the virus has sort of vindicated your decision to set up a remote team because now most of your clients are having to do exactly the same thing and your competitors for for if there are any also scrambling so you you had a year's start or, or more than a year's start on many of those people right so what has the effect been? Yes, wow, what a year 2020 was. <laughs> it's, um, you know, like, like most businesses, I think, you know, we, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, it was such an unknown time, you know, and it still is, unfortunately, for, for a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. um, like you mentioned, Peter, we were already set up for remote work. So from that perspective, nothing really changed, you know, and I think if anything, our teams were just really grateful that, that they were already working, you know, in that space and could mm -hmm. continue to do so. Um, but, you know, from a, uh, from a business perspective, we just got really busy, like almost overnight. Yeah. Um, we were already, we were busy. We were already, you know, we were already busy, but, um, 
yeah, it just kind of like skyrocketed, um, you know, our, our business, which did sort of catch us off guard because we, you know, obviously didn't plan for that to happen so quickly. So, you know, we had to sort of recruit and, you know, in, increase our team so that we could could service our, our existing brands and the new ones that, that came in. Um, you know, and I, I suppose, you know, we, we largely work with, with e-commerce brands and with most of the world's, you know, pushed inside their homes, you know, without access to their usual services, you know, people started shopping online like never before, um, you know, and I, I suppose what a lot of the businesses that we were working with found is that if they were the if they were in a position where they had stock um, and they had inventory left to sell, a number of them you know had some challenges if they were sourcing inventory from um, overseas, getting getting mm -hmm. it in. Um, but if they had inventory left to sell, um, they found themselves sort of in a position where they were doing more orders than they had ever done before. Um, but this growth of new orders was coming from new customers, um, mm. you know, that had sort of sourced out their, their brand, um, you know, because it's become a need that, that they, you know, that they want to engage with. So, you know, they, they, the, you know, that new focus of new customers coming in, um, you know, and the volume of new customers, mm -hmm. you know, obviously highlighted for them that, that they needed to do some extra work there. And, and we helped a lot of those clients to develop some more sophistication in their retention marketing. Um, so focused on all of the key things that that we do around, you know, e email, SMS, and specifically loyalty, um, you know, so that they could capture those new customers, make sure that they had a great experience, um, and that they were able to look at strategies to retain them, you know, after that time where, you know, hopefully the, the world went back to sort of semi-normal way of, of living. Right, right. Okay, interesting. How have the advances in artificial intelligence helped you, helped your customers? Yes. So, um, look, it it allows us, I suppose, AI allows us to have a much more informed view um, of customer behaviour. So it's mm -hmm. customer behaviour in real time, um, you know, and it's much more targeted. So we can deliver more targeted and specific content, um, you know, in our delivery. So much more than you could ever obtain manually, um, which is what makes it so powerful, um, you know, and it, it's just not enough to have an excellent product, you know, and a, a functioning website. And, you know, mo most entrepreneurs, founders, they, they know that. So, you know, they expect to drive growth through real-time data. And, you know, the customer journey is one that, you know, we really want to nurture towards the first sale, um, but continue to engage with and nurture well beyond that. And, you know, tools like Clavio, um, you know, which, which we talk about a lot with our brands and its unique AI capabilities, um, it means that we're able to build out, you know, things like automated AI AI workflows, um, you know, to target specific interests so that the content that we're delivering is actually relevant and it's something that, that people are interested in and that they want to see, which ultimately will convert into a sale um, and hopefully many more after that. Um, but yeah, coming from a traditional sales environment, which I spoke to you about before, you know, where we had to rely very much on people being trained to sell to people, mm -hmm. um, I find it incredibly interesting, you know, that we can actually, you know, use the data, um, you know, as the fuel for making those decisions. And something that we do talk to, you know, I, I speak to brands about a lot is I don't think that e-commerce business growth is a mystery. 
you know, it's not a mystery. It's the direct result of marketing efforts, you know, governed by data. You know, the data is actually the rocket fuel that, you know, forms the strategy around what we do. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. So with your experience, what are some of the biggest mistakes that companies make in conversion, in lead conversion? Um, yeah, so some of the things that that we see quite a bit um, would be, uh, suppose in the initial stages, a lack of customer journey mapping, um, you know, really sort of thinking about um, all of the different touch points that a customer mm -hmm. is going to go through when they are interacting with your brand, um, you know, effective journey mapping. It's, it's a visual story of your, your customers' interactions with all of those different touch points. And I, I think it's actually really critical for small to medium-sized businesses as well as large, large businesses. Um, you know, and it is critical to optimising that customer experience, you know, not just sort of thinking about, you know, one aspect, but, you know, having, having a, clear, a clear map. Sort of how we do, you know, when we got started with the growth gurus, we were, were quite specific around what that looked like. Um, you know, that it is quite important, um, you know, especially in those early stages so that you can make, you know, informed decisions that are going to be the right ones. Um, Another thing that we sort of talk to a lot of brands about, um, you know, when, when, you know, we're engaging with them specifically around email marketing is, you know, giving up on nurturing a lead too early, mm -hmm. you know, quite often, you know, you know, had some experience in the email space and they've said, oh, you know, I've had a welcome flow running or an abandoned cart flow running. It's, it's not converting. It's, you know, it's not doing what I thought it would. And when we, you know, go and take a bit of a deep dive into their account and see what they're doing it might only be you know two or three emails that they're sending to that lead and quite often it actually takes a lot longer than that um, you know it's not uncommon for brands that we work with to be running you know flows and automations of 10 and 15 emails long um, you know and as long as there's this strategy and thinking applied to those um, you know it, it can really nurture that lead towards um, you know a purchase or wherever they are in their journey with the brand um, so that, that's a, a big thing. Usually brands are quite surprised around the number that we suggest they should be running um, in their accounts. Um, and the, look, the other, the other thing I would say that we see quite often is a, a lack of personalization. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lack of, you know, just having an understanding of where their customers are at in their journey with the brand, um, you know, and, and not sort of tailoring their content specifically to those interests. Um, an example of that might be, you know, say if you were a fashion business or a fashion brand and you had a lead capture pop up on the website, which we do, we do a lot of, um, you know, and you were selling three clear categories like men's, women's and children. Um, and you were capturing all of the details of, a, you know, an email and maybe offering a discount, which a lot of brands choose to do, um, but not sort of taking the opportunity to ask what the customer is interested in. Are you shopping mm -hmm. for men? shopping for women's or are you shopping for children so you know then when they start to receive their email communication potentially they're getting um, information that's just not relevant you know if we're sending information on on children's 
clothing to someone that's not interested in it, um, you know, it's going to affect the results, the results that mm -hmm. we can achieve. So, you know, taking that opportunity to be a little bit more personal and, you know, asking some more profile specific questions, um, you know, can, can help to get a much better result. And probably the three that I see a lot. Yeah. So <clears throat> what do you think the future holds for growth gurus? Wow. Um, so much at the moment. It feels like we've got, we've got so much going on. Um, you know, this year we are going to be growing our team, which is really exciting. Um, I think it's always exciting when we can, you know, bring, bring some uh, new fresh eyes into the business. And I know our existing team really love that too. And when, when new people start here, so that that's an exciting thing. And, um, you know, we'll continue to, to work with our existing portfolio of brands and hopefully welcome a lot of new brands into the business too. One of the, um, one of the projects that we'll be working on, which is, I think pretty interesting um, is we're going to be working on developing like some pre-packaged options and I'm sure that we will think of a much more fun and attractive name than pre-packaged options <laughs> um, but you know we know that um, you know we know that a lot of brands when they're first starting out um, working with an agency partner might not be possible um, you know and as much as we love and want to work with everybody that's not realistic either and, you know, I did mention before, you know, we, we have a focus on Clavio in this business. We are a platinum Clavio partner um, and one of the top 15 globally. And we have templates and automations and, and workflows available that are battle tested and we know that they work. You know, we've had over 500 projects run through this business and, and we have that, wow. that knowledge. Um, you know, so we're looking at creating some, some pre-built templates um, that you'll be able to purchase from the growth gurus. Uh, things like, you know, our award-winning abandoned cart flow and, mm -hmm. you know, our high converting win-back flow, um, you know, and our, our, you know, customer welcome and nurture flows. Um, and we'd like to make those available to new and emerging brands that can benefit from them. So that's something that's a bit of a passion project that we'll work on, we'll work on yeah. I got one more question, but I want to give you the opportunity to give a bit of a plug for your abandoned cart template. What could a company expect to reduce its abandoned cart percentage by by using a good template like yours? Any ideas? Yeah, look, I think abandoned cart templates, they're, they're something that are so crucial. And when, when a, a brand first launches, they usually do an abandoned cart sequence of, of some, some description. Um, when we do the strategy for an abandoned cart flow, there's a lot of different things that you can, can look at. Um, it's not just about showing the customer the, um, you know, the items that they've abandoned in their cart and just continuing to do it over and over and over again. Um, you know, it, it's showing them those items. It's showing them, um, you know, other items that they might be able to purchase that are complementary to the one that they've potentially abandoned, but also sort of just going in and looking at all the reasons why somebody may have abandoned their car um, and then targeting all of those reasons. And, and that can actually be, which I touched on before, um, you know, a medium to long sized flow. Sure. And it's not always targeted around you know the the item that the person has actually abandoned sometimes we know we start to inject a little bit of um you know 
um, brand profile and, you know, information around why somebody might want to engage with it, not just from a sales perspective. Um, you know, you could expect to get very snappy subject lines and, and um, appealing call to action buttons. Um, and certainly if the brand's using any sort of loyalty um, you know, loyalty platform, we can help coach them around how to integrate that into, into the sequence. Um, our, our designs are amazing. Um, you know, we, we win a lot of work on the designs. So, you know, having a template that, you know, looks amazing and looks like it's been professionally designed and also is focused on, on key content to get someone to take an action on the email and then, and then come back through to the website is what you could expect. So they, they should expect customers should expect quite a good return on that investment. That's what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. So I've got, I've got my, my evergreen question. I like to ask successful people and you've obviously, you, you and your husband have been very successful yourselves in several different uh, categories. Uh, and you've obviously been in touch with a lot of successful brands and perhaps some that are less successful. So in your opinion, what, what, what's the one key attribute of either a person or a company that makes them stand out from the crowd and become successful? Oh, the one thing, the one thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, great question. Um, if I was to say one thing, if I was to say just, just one, I would say it would be consistency. Um, you know, consistency would be, you know, right, right at the top for me. Mm -hmm. And it's one of, it's one of the hardest things to do in business. <laughs> it really is. I think it's week after week, it's quarter after quarter, consistently, you know, doing the, the thing, um, you know, over and over. And I, I think to drive growth, you really need to be consistent in your marketing um, and growth building tactics. Um, you know, especially in this space, I think even more importantly than that, you've got to be consistent in your technology infrastructure. Um, you know, using great technology platforms like Klaviyo and Shopify, um, it means that you're able to be stable and consistent. And, you know, running a business, you've got so much to worry about. You've got so much going on. You don't need your technology platforms letting you down. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of key. So having consistency both in your approach to your marketing and your growth building, but also in the, you know, the, the technology um, infrastructure that you use is key. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Annie. Very good advice. And, and in line with what a lot of our successful people tell us this, there's literally, I think you can count on one hand the different things that the last 20 people we've asked that question have told us, and that's one of them. So great. Back to Kathleen. So, Haley, how can people contact you? Yes, we've actually just launched a new website. So um, they can contact us through the website, which is growthgurus.io. Um, and there's a contact form at the bottom there and you can pop your details in and um, that comes through to myself on that. Um, and one of our team will get in contact with you. Excellent. All right. Well, Peter, I think we're just about out of time. So we are indeed. So thank you very much, Heidi. I uh, really appreciate that. That was very interesting and just wish you success. And uh, well, I'd love to work remotely for a company that had a head office on a peninsula in the warm part of yeah. Australia and be compelled to fly in for monthly meetings or something. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> That's enough for me. <laughs> thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much, guys. It's been really wonderful chatting with you today. I hope that was, um, you know, helpful and interesting.
It sure was. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for tuning in. We so appreciate you. And again, we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to Peter, either Peter or myself. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Everyone.